Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Circle, wrist shot, score! Patrick Ryan Nugent Hopkins! Nathaniel who's up across the 40, he swings it to the 45, the 50, down the sidelines, he goes! Nathaniel he's got all sorts of daylight inside the 10! Touchdown, Eskimos! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Ah, man, always loving hearing those highlights in the show intro. Eskimos into the second half of their season. The big Labor Day showdown coming up on Monday. The game in Calgary right here on 630 Chad. 1 o'clock for the countdown to kick off. They'll put the ball into the air at 2.30. And, of course, the Oilers inching towards the start of their season. Rookie camp, in fact, starts one week from today. They're going to have a rookie game on September 7th, another one on September 10th, and then main camp will start on the 13th. We broadcast the games for both of those clubs. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, and a very special guest joining me in studio tonight, the general manager of your Edmonton Eskimos, Brock Sunderland. Brock, great to see you. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot for coming in. Uh, we've obviously talked on the phone several times, uh, and, and on occasion we'll run into each other at the stadium. So I really appreciate uh, appreciate you coming in. How are things going? How you feel? I'll start very, very generally. <laughs> How are you feeling about everything? Well, six six out of ten. I feel very good about things. Four out of ten. Disappointed, and obviously work to be done. And um, as every season is, it's evolving and it changes week to week. So there's weeks you feel really good about things. You have a win, and you think you have most of it figured out but the reality is you're always trying to get better week to week whether you win or lose so disappointed with the game on friday obviously but the reality is at six and four we control our own destiny on everything we want to accomplish so uh, we've put ourselves in a good position for where we are in the season right now and it comes down to executing and producing and playing the way that we think we're capable week in and week out and that's where we're at right now so uh, not perfect it's never going to be obviously there's things we can improve on and and truth is no one out there right now is undefeated so i think every organization can say that football's such a such a harsh sport and, and i mean look the teams in any sport and fans in any sport they they live and die with the wins and the losses uh but but you know the other i mentioned the two teams we cover in the nhl the Oilers, like like as you know you, you can lose an overtime and get a point Right, you right, can you can right. play, uh, you can win uh, six out of ten and get a couple overtime losses, and you're looking pretty good. And you can have a horrible game, and you might have a game two days later. Football's not like that. Like five plays uh, in an 18 game season, in five different games, that could be the difference between 12 wins or or seven or eight. And then plus, when you have a bad outing or a disappointing outing. You're sitting on that for six, seven, eight days sometimes. That's exactly right. You know, I always say my, the thing that's the most challenging in football is you have 18 games. So if you, if one of those plays is the difference between a win and a loss, you have to live with that, and it could hinder whether you're winning the West, hosting a playoff game, out of the playoffs, so on and so forth. So 
Uh, It's also the excitement of it is you don't have 82 games where you can say, hey, if we lose 20, we can still get this around. You you better be on it and have your act together from game one all the way through game 18. So there's always this perception out there. I hear it all the time. It's like, well, the season really starts at Labor Day. Well, I've always disagreed with that because a loss or a win in June counts just as much as it does in October. So uh, when you have 18 of them, you better be ready to go all 18. Yeah, Winnipeg's pretty happy to have those eight wins before Labor Day. That's right. You know, exactly. And they got Case the inside track on, uh, and again, a lot can happen, but they sure. got the inside track on first, right? Because right. they've got those wins. They've beat some divisional teams already. The uh, I mean, obviously, you're a, you're a football lifer, not just because of what you done, have done in your adult life, but because of your dad as well, Marv, right? Marv, yep. So, I mean, you must have been exposed to that 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 harsh reality and, and him coming home and... Uh, uh, you know, trying hard wasn't good enough. If you didn't get the get the W, he was he was fully immersed in that world. That's right. I learned from uh, literally my entire life. No one's on scholarship here at this level. So, uh, you know, the mortgage, the roof over our head was paid for by wins and losses. The food on the table was wins and losses. So, uh, when you grow up in that environment, it hits home very quickly. That uh, just trying your best. It, you know, it's great, but at this level, it's not good enough. Wins are what count, and that's what everybody's going for at this level. And, and, you, and you had a father who, uh, a non-traditional uh, work-life balance, I guess would be a way to put it. Very true. I mean, it was normal for me, but, you know, he was a national scout from the time I was born. Uh, so we were living in Great Falls, Montana, and it meant for him he was gone three to four weeks at a time, home for four or five days, maybe two weeks at a time. And I didn't know any different. So a lot of my friends growing up would scratch their head if they didn't understand it. It was different for them. But for me, all you know is what your reality is. So it was normal for me and and it worked and it gelled and and that's how we grew up. Is he still heavily scouting? No, he he's retired. He, he retired retire? a couple years ago. Yeah. Okay, probably reluctantly. he was slowing down a little bit, okay. which is all right. But I mean, when you count college football, I think it was fifty-two years all in coaching. Wow. North Dakota State all the way through. So yeah, forty plus years in the NFL is quite the haul. I'm I'm going to ask you this question. I've never asked you this this before, Brock. When did you? realized you weren't going to be a pro football player oh probably fairly early on in college when i was at the university of montana and my locker my my freshman year was next to a safety who was like 6'3 215 and you know you just look at it and say that's that's not what i am you know and also growing up around the game you understand what your limitations are and at 5'7 uh, i always say i'm I'm short, but I was slow. So the uh, <laughs> oh, the market for that's, uh, that's, uh, short, slow guys not uh, yeah, I hear real you. high. That it is an unfortunate combination to, <laughs> to play to play at the very it's reality. Hi- highest level, right? And, and I mean, you, you, we talk a lot about uh, effort and and desire. Sometimes you can want something really bad, but there's, sometimes there is just a bit of a but for people. Brock no Sunderland question. in studio, GM of the Edmonton Eskimos. By the way, uh, any questions for Brock, you can text 630-630. Uh, I see some coming in already, so I'll filter those out uh, as we go along. Okay, uh, this season, uh, look, I'll, I'll dive right into the main discussion topic because okay. I've had it. I've had it with fans on and off air. Uh, most of your players have had it. Uh, Morley and Jason have had it a lot, especially mm-hmm. after the losses. You, you guys are getting a ton of yards. You have a ton of great stats. First in that offense mm-hmm. with a 70-yard lead per game on Saskatchewan. First in second down conversions. First in plays run per game. First in yards per play. First in first downs. And you've allowed the fewest sacks. And you're I guess the definition of average in offensive touchdowns because you're five out of nine. Right. And that's right right in the middle of the league. So from from your 
perspective, from the GM's perspective, how come uh, the yards aren't turning into as many as many points as we might like? Well, it goes down to what you touched on earlier. What we just spoke about is one play here, a different play there. You know, I'll use the Winnipeg games, for example. I think 13 times we were inside the 35, and we came a good way with no touchdowns. So if we get, if we're just average on those 13 possessions, do we win those games? Maybe, maybe not. I'd like to think, obviously, from my perspective, you're biased. You think yes. So if we convert 13 of those possessions into touchdowns, or six of those, excuse me, maybe we're eight and two. So it's a big deal. When you break it down and you watch the film, it comes down to a lot of a lot of different nuances. Sometimes a play gets called wrong, somebody lines up wrong, somebody goes, one person goes one wrong way and throws the whole play off. There's been other times where guys have been open and maybe they aren't looked at on the first read. So it's a combination of a lot of things, um, but it's not all to whack to the point where we don't know what the problems are. And that's a good thing. The first part of solving a problem is identifying it. We've done that. And there's been three games where we've been below average inside the red zone. Toronto at home, the two Winnipeg games, the rest of them, we've been pretty good. So Mm -hmm. um, it's not all bad. I think it's glaring when it's against a division opponent where you have a chance to claim first place and you don't produce right there. So uh, we're aware of it. We have identified it. And I have full confidence in Jason, the offensive staff, and Trevor and the offense to rectify this very quickly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is is right there. And I think that's why it's so tantalizing for, Mm -hmm. like I said, a lot of the fans I I talk to because they're they're looking at man just could have been what if what if that what if that one what if what, what, what if what if that one right then yeah. and, uh, and and yeah like you said it was it was great to see Sean kick all those field goals against Winnipeg would have been cooler if they were converts probably no so that's, no that, question that, that's what we're thinking for sure um, Devaris Daniels mm-hmm. uh, not healthy for uh, first part of the season man huge impact lately. That's what we thought we were getting. We knew what he was. Having played against him when I was in Ottawa in 16 and then here 17-18 is uh, what he's doing right now is exactly what he thought he would be doing. He's a big play guy. He can turn a short pass into a long game. Then we've seen his deep threat ability and you know Trevor obviously being on point and hitting him in stride most of the times and you know it's again you go back to one or two plays and these aren't excuses but I do think the second deep throw on Friday if, if it's not a rain game um, that's probably a touchdown you know so if you look at that does that change the complexion of the game and does that maybe you know sway the tides who knows but he's been great not only with his production, but who he is as a person. And that's been a common theme this year. And something we focused on is even when he was hurt, he was helping coach the other guys. He was attentive in meetings, sitting up front, doing all the right things. And when you're doing all those things, you can come back and have that production immediately if you're doing all the right things up to the point where you're active again. So couldn't be happier for what he's done for the team and also for him personally right now. Brock Sunderland is in studio. He's the GM of your Edmonton Eskimos. We're going to touch a little bit more on some uh, things going on this season. Uh, some players are obviously uh, battling some injuries, so that's created some challenges for Brock. And uh, it's a time of year where there are a lot of players to scout and to, to move up and down your, your lists. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas and consider things like that. So we'll see how Brock manages all that as well. All coming up on Inside Sports.
this is Don Unama of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad joined live in studio by Brock Sunderland. He's the general manager of your Edmonton Eskimos. They are 6-4, and four, taking on the 5-4 and four Stampeders on uh, Monday. Later on tonight, it's going to be good to catch up with this young man, Stampeders offensive lineman Justin Lawrence. will check in out of the U of A, Edmonton kid, who uh, had no choice but to join the evil team to the south. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, good players. Some good offensive linemen have come out of the U of A. Uh, I mean, Cordy, Beard, uh, they've been turned out some good some good old linemen in the last few years. They have. Coach Morris has done a really good job over there. I think they, they're recruiting well, and I think they're being coached extremely well. So you can start to see that turnover very quickly in our league. All right. Uh, every, every year there are injured players, you know, in the Canadian Football League on the Eskimos. I, I would actually probably say you guys have had it worse some years than than this year, knock on wood, though I know some some big names have uh, have mm-hmm. been out. I, I'm, I'm just going to ask you about one guy because I know you got to be careful sometimes about guys, but i got to ask about Sir V, right. Sir Vincent Rogers, because mm-hmm. that was such a marquee signing. I have not heard a single bad thing about him as a human being from anybody in the Canadian Football League, and fans were pretty excited right. to see him uh, on the O-line. Unfortunately, he gets hurt in, in camp. How, how is he doing? Can you tell me anything? He's doing well. He's rehabbing hard, and like we said, we're, we're cautiously optimistic. There's no guarantees he will be back, but we haven't shut the door on the fact that there's potential he could. So it's obviously a major injury. Had he got hurt any later than what he did, there'd be no chance of returning this year. But because it was so early, you know, the fortunate thing of the unfortunate injury is it happened during that time so we'll see I know he's you'd mentioned no one says a bad thing about him and if you don't get along with Sir V then it's you it's not him so he's doing everything he can and he's the consummate pro he's 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 a guy you have to pull back as opposed to prod and that's a good thing he can't be his own worst enemy he's chomping at the bit um and even though he's not out there right now he's still one of our better leaders you know on game day he's dialed in and he's helping the guys who replaced them so we're hopeful but there's no guarantees either way that was a torn triceps for him right correct and, and was, that, was it in a was it in a practice yeah it was he, a he training camp a practice game. that's oh, right man one-on-ones yeah that's that, that that's uh, that's tough well hopefully uh hopefully he's 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 uh he's coming along but uh, i mean but but again uh you gotta find guys to replace him kyle saxlin you draft mm-hmm. this this uh in this in the spring we I, I remember i was doing my show from next door to your your draft room right. and, and kyle phoned in shortly after he was drafted i mean he was just thrilled and he's got significant playing time this year he has. He's played both guard and tackle. So he, he was a true tackle. He played three years at UNLV as a left tackle. Um, we have cross-trained him. Mike Gibson does a great job, our O-line coach, of making all of our offensive linemen play all five positions for this very reason. If you only play guard and then you have to kick out and play tackle, now easier for him because that's his true position. But for most guys, it's foreign. It's a little different. And it's hard to go if you're always been a right tackle to play left you think in theory it should be easy but the muscle memory the drops and everything you do is very different so he's been in there you know tommy draheim stepped up and you know unfortunately he got hurt a couple games ago but he's played outstanding as well so the challenge for us is it's hard enough losing a perennial all-star left tackle but when you lose his backup who is playing at an all-star level in our opinion that's also challenging so um you know that offense lineman room the offense they, they've all rolled their sleeves up they're dialed in and they're all working their tails off to to pick up the slack and keep playing well so so with the injuries you gotta you gotta have other guys ready to go uh sometimes you gotta add guys mid-season i, I one question people ask me is reed how does the cfl salary cap work 
No, we only have a certain amount of time. But, <laughs> yeah. But is it you? Ha, you have to. Do you have to be under a certain number on the roster every week, or do you need to be under a certain number at the end of the year? At the end of the year. So okay. it's called a quote soft cap, whereas the NFL is a hard cap. The difference is on a soft cap, it is you can be a million dollars over the salary cap, but by December thirty first, twenty nineteen, you better be under or else. Whereas the NFL, every day you have to be at or below the cap, or else you can get fined or penalized. So it's very different in that way. The challenge in the CFL is it's very fluid. So people always say, well, cap-wise, where are you at? The truth is you're usually comfortable right now. We're comfortable with where we're at. It's very fluid. So depending on the injuries, if you have a one-game injured, that counts on the salary cap, and then you're paying that player to not play, and then you're paying the replacement as well. So you take on a cap hit, whereas if it's six-game injured, Sir Vincent Rogers, as an example, they don't count on the salary cap. So the replacement counts on the cap, but they do not. So it's it's an ebb and flow. It's very fluid. And the truth is it changes week to week, depending on what your injuries are and when guys come back. So that's a, a quick version no, of the that, salary that, cap. And, and that makes sense. And, and uh, that's generally what I've told people. But the this, this sixth game, you can take a guy off the sixth game and then does his full salary for that six-week segment count, though? It depends. If you oh, okay. do, if they're on for multiple six games, so if it's a second six-game term, like an example. So Servi would be Servi would fit that one. right okay. now. You get two free polls, meaning that two players during the course of the season, if they're on their second stint of the sixth game, if you pull them, then their cap, their cap hit does not count. Now, if a player is on there for the first time, we've had two this year, so Calvin McCarty and Christoph Malumba, some injuries are very hard. You don't know exactly what sure. they are, and you have to guesstimate a little bit, so you always play it safe to help the cap. We put both of those players on the sixth game injured. They were healthier earlier than that term was up, which is good. We pulled them, so that means we inherited the cap for the games they did miss. But you do it if you think it's worth it for the for the production. Okay, so that's uh, that's why that no, you can't spec. Well, I mean, you can. You got a number in mind that you'll probably be at at the end right. of the year, but a lot can change from from week to week. Health, you you health forecast, day. and you have to be reasonable, right? Like to because it's a soft cap doesn't mean you go in at a crazy number and just sure. like, hey, well, you have to be reasonable. And what we do is we count. Is you look at it and say, okay. We, we hope and we think potentially Sir Vincent's going to be back for these amount of games. So you budget that in and you go in high and you say if he comes back and it helps you forecast and also manage your roster to what you can and can't do. So you have to be, uh, even though it changes all the time, we're, we're dialed in and you have a forecast for what it's going to be at the end of the year. It's pretty much a daily conversation to always know where you're at. Okay. Yeah, that's it. That's interesting stuff. And people think you just watch football for a living, eh, Rock? <laughs> I, I <laughs> wish that was the case. You know what's amazing about that is I do almost less football, it seems, now than I did when I was a road scout, which makes sense. There's so many different budgets and so on and so forth. But uh, there's days to be nice just to throw in the film all day and, and watch 10 straight hours. How active uh, are you with watching football of your current team and i mean obviously you're watching mm-hmm. the edmonton eskimos I, I i realize on the surface that might sound like a stupid question but it's a it's an obsession for a lot of coaches and players mm-hmm. like, i think nate told morley he can watch like he's been standing in line and watching on his phone because right. there's there's do you will you really dive into a game or ever watch with jason or do you kind of stay out of the, the that involvement with the coaches I watch with Jason from time to time. The way he views it, and we always say this, the way personnel views it as far as front office GM scouts versus coaches is different because I'm looking talent and evaluating where, where they're looking scheme. So I'm looking oh, okay. at what they can do versus what they're – and then we talk, right? We have to cross-check. But as far as what I watch every practice, both live and on film, I watch every game, all three phases. I grade every player on our roster every week. Um, 
Uh, it's nonstop. You can't improve your team if you don't know what your team is. So our drafting college players versus evaluating other professional players is different. When you're looking at whether it's an NFL cut, other CFL players in free agency, you look at professional players, apples to apples. And what I mean by that is they're either better than, they're equal than, or they're worse. Right. And then you bring in a, a salary to it and you say, let's put a money, a value to this player. But you have to know what your roster is before you can say this guy's better, equal, or worse. College players, you're projecting. So what I mean by that is you're not looking at what they are now, you're looking at what they can be. So a lot of times, and you hear it all the time, the pundits, yourself, what are they thinking? Well, we're probably thinking he has a lot of traits that we think we can mold. Right. And you're, you're betting on the come a little bit, but that's part of evaluating a college player versus a pro player. So long-winded answer, but I'm looking at every player on our roster every day. Okay, we're, we're going to get more into that. And like I mentioned, there's there's a lot for you to, to keep an eye on at this time of year as well. Brock Sunderland, GM of the Eskimos, is in studio. This is Inside Sports. Your home for all the news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. We're going to give you a quick update here. A young man by the name of uh, Duke Williams playing for the Buffalo Bills in a preseason game against the Minnesota Vikings. He has one reception for nine yards tonight. Uh, he has a couple touchdown receptions in the NFL preseason and this was a guy Brock you had uh, obviously on the Eskimos led the CFL in receiving last year he's, uh, he's right in the mix there with the Bills to be on the opening day roster. Happy for him all these guys that leave our organization that have a chance to to play in that league we're cheering for him uh, selfishly we want him here with us but I think there's enough room in this world for everybody to to have success, and, and we're cheering for him and all those guys, Kenny Ladler, Zilstra, right, so on and so forth. Zilstra still with the Vikings. Uh, right. Is Ladler Giants? Giants least, now, yeah. and unfortunately, Brian Mitchell got hurt towards Achilles in Tampa. Tampa, yeah, that's, that's right. tough, man. He, I thought he had a real chance. But I think so. That that's the thing is you never know. It's funny. I always hear people always say, "Well, a couple of weeks ago, oh, Duke's out of it. He's not," and I'm kind of thinking, "Well." The only people that really probably know that are the, is the front office of the Bills. So when people speculate to that level, I'm kind of thinking, how you know, where are you getting that information? Because right. if it's just stats, I can tell you haven't been in the front office of an NFL organization. A lot of times, if you know you have a talented player, but you don't think they're going to be active right away, you're not playing them in the preseason because you don't want them to get on film. Because uh -huh. then when you release them, you don't want another team to claim them. So there's so many layers and levels to it that when people speculate that they, oh, he's going to make it, he's not going to make it, we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> right. That's that, that's fascinating. And that's a good point. And with so many players, and and I will say this, football is the most – you're, you're going you're gonna to laugh at me here. <laughs> Maybe even disagree with me, which is fine. But, like, football is the most paranoid of all the sports. I've always felt – like, when it, there's, a, there's a huge degree of – I mean, certainly hockey teams and baseball mm -hmm. teams aren't disclosing their strategies and their how they're going to pitch guys, but sure. football really has that. We got to protect our our information and our playbook and all that kind of stuff. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, I think so. I think it's different than those other games where if you have somebody else's schemes, it, it changes the outcome drastically more than. You know, and I don't know. I always say this. I don't know hockey that well at all, but it, it's a fluid game, so I don't know if there's a. It's such a concrete strategy that if you knew what they were doing, it changes the complexion of the game, whereas football it does. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I know when I was with the Jets originally, it was Eric Mangini and the paranoia of people watching. Now I always say this. If you're ultra paranoid, it means you're probably doing some of that. So the whole Spygate thing right. and all that, I was there for that. 
and it got to the extreme level of there was blackout window shades for our entire building so he literally didn't trust our salespeople to watch our practices which is extreme and then rex comes in and he's like anybody can video anything anywhere anytime and we're confident enough in what we do that we're going to beat you anyway so pretty polarizing beliefs yeah. and uh yeah I, would you I, would you sooner practices were were closed to fans all the time I think it depends which games. Okay. Uh, I think uh, certain times it's warranted, but I'm more of the the other side. If you're really good at what you do, you can almost tell the other team, "This is what we're doing." Try to stop us. Yeah. Well, and that's. I mean, that is football. I mean, if you're second and fifteen, you're mm -hmm. going to pass. You're going right. to try to get fifteen yards. That's right. So there's only so many plays uh, plays you can have. But yeah, it is the whole Spygate thing was. Uh, was was pretty crazy and, and but like you need fan engagement right We're, we got a fan panel coming up between seven and eight tonight so as much as a, a lot of times as a media guy i tell people you know going to Oilers practice it's it's not always that exciting like right. they kind of do the same drills and mcdavid's not going 100 <laughs> percent. exactly <laughs> but, but i but i get it if it's not part of your your life like mm -hmm. it is for me to go see the eskimos practice and, and, sure. and see who's doing what or see the backup quarterback throw a little more that that is a way to to, to engage people i agree with that 100 and, and we love i mean if we could i know again i'll go back to new york there was training camp practices where there'd be you know 10 15 000 people and Jeez. all the players they get they get juice from that they get juice from the energy of a live scrimmage a uh, team period inside the 20 when they're flying around hitting and the and the crowds get into it you're competitive it brings energy it brings excitement so yeah i mean if if we could fill commonwealth for practice you know <laughs> let's do it let's do it for games as well uh john is uh texting in he's one of our, our regular texters uh big supporter of all What's the up, john? teams he says uh hey brock when a player uh, now, you may not be able to address this specific player, but I'll, I'll read you the question. When a player as big and as talented as Chris Matthews gets released, how closely do you have to look at him, uh, even though you may already like your depth at that position? That's a good question. We, we look, it is a good question. We look at every player released every day on the status report. So what we do is we have a grading system and a database. So every time a player is released, we immediately look at who their grade is. Obviously, Chris Matthews, we don't have to dig into our database and know who he is and what he good. can do. Um, so we contemplate everybody. I mean, I know every... It sounds like a cliche, but every day we're doing everything we can to improve our roster and make our team better. So sometimes that makes sense and sometimes it doesn't. It also depends on who you have. So, you know, right now we feel pretty confident with our wide receiving core. Um, so is it an immediate need right now? No. Is it something that we're always going to look at to try to improve ourselves? Yes. You and I have talked uh, in the past about finding, you know, the right player. And it's, it's not always just talent and how fast you can run or how high you can jump. You want? Do you want the attitude? You want the mental strength? Have you ever signed a player that you have not talked to? That's a good question. I, I think have we signed players that I haven't spoken to myself directly? Yes, but I don't think we've ever signed a player that we haven't had some sort of connection from a scout. You got some kind, some of sort face of face exactly, or, yeah, where okay. you have a little bit of an idea of who they are. And that's the, the value of a scouting staff is not just to understand what they can do on the film. Anybody, we can turn that on and watch that in, in office. With the technology that's out there today, you can get film from pretty much everywhere. Right. Where you really earn your, your, your credibility and your weight as a scout is digging in and getting the background information. So we call it personal character, football character. 
And the difference between those two is personally, what's he like? You know, hey, Jimmy is a straight-A student, this and that. What's his football character? Well, he's great off the field. He's, you know, a Boy Scout and all these things, and he's lazy on the field. He's late to practice. Or oftentimes vice versa is, you know, the guy late to class, doesn't really like school, struggles academically. And then you talk about his football intelligence, and he calls the defense. He does everything. He's the first guy in, the last guy out. Yeah. So. Ideally, you want to have a real good feel of who the person is before they walk into the locker room. Yeah, well, that's a good that's a good point. You can you can find a lot of young men who like uh, scoring touchdowns and getting sacks. Can you find the guy who's uh, going to watch film for an extra hour? That's right. Or uh, or make sure he's getting his massage and mm. and is polite to the training staff and all that kind of stuff. Right? No question. I mean, yeah. and those are the differences between everyone at this level is athletically gifted enough to play at this level. So, where you find the players who are difference makers are the ones that are usually putting in the extra effort i know this if you go to our building at you know 6 30 in the morning trevor harris is there if you leave at eight or nine at night trevor harris is there right it's no secret yeah, obviously you he's, guys who are obsessed with it almost no question we always say that the thing we say around our our facilities we want guys that are jumping out of their skin to play football for the eskimos that's a great way to put it yeah that's a great way to put it brock sunderland is in studio gm of the edmonton eskimos labor day matchup coming up on uh, monday our coverage will start at uh, at one o'clock. All right. So uh, talking about Labor Day, big weekend. Uh, Winnipeg's uh, playing Sask on Sunday, so that'll have some impact on you guys. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't know which way. So that'll be fun to watch. On, on the other side, Toronto's playing Hamilton. Uh, the NFL starting next week with the regular season. We mentioned they're in preseason. NCAA football, U uh, Sports, Bears play tomorrow against Calgary. Everything's going so like so now. Is this is it really ramping up now for for the scouts? Tell us a little bit about keeping an eye on all these guys that who mm-hmm. potentially could one day be Eskimos. It is just because all the leagues are hitting on all facets now. So the NFL is playing U Sport, NCAA, like you'd mentioned. But it really never does slow down because during training camp, we're evaluating our team. They come in for camp. We give them position groups to evaluate, stack them, rank them, grade them, and then evaluating other teams' rosters as well. So the CFL preseason, we're evaluating every player and every other roster as well. So uh, like John had just asked, you know, Chris Chris Matthews, had we not known if it wasn't such a marquee player as him, we would have a grade on him. We'd have who he played, when he played, and when he entered the game, we'd have a grade. So point being, they're busy all year round, but it, it is going to pick up right now for sure. You uh, you made some scouting changes earlier this week. You've mm-hmm. added Marcel Belfay and Matt, I hope I'm going to get his name right, Bukemeyer? Bookmeyer. Bookmeyer, sorry. And uh, and you had Will Homer uh, go to the University of Florida Gators, so good opportunity here. But it'd be Marcel's name obviously really jumped off the page to me because he's mm-hmm. been in the league a long time. And that was a, a key part of it is, as we talked earlier, is knowing what's playing at this level. So here's a guy that's coaching this league 17 years. He's been a head coach. He knows what it takes to play left tackle in the CFL. He knows what it takes to play defense tackle in the CFL. So when he talks about what I had mentioned before is equal, better, or less than, he's going to know right away if a guy is equal, better, or less than. Right. He's also been a head coach at the eSport level, was a, a Van Cup champion coach at the University of Ottawa, so he also knows what's playing at that level. So for me, pretty perfect combination of knowing what's playing at this level and also knowing what's playing at that level to project to this level. So it made sense on a lot of levels. All right. You're going to love this one from Wayne. He All says, right. uh, hi, Brock. Any chance Ziltra could wear the EE again if he's cut in Minnesota? Uh, we're all again. We're always looking to improve our you, roster. You'd probably so. give him a call. Yeah, we 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 have his number still. He was up here actually for one of our games, and we had a good chat. That's right. So, 
yeah, again, any player, any time that we think can improve us, whether it's someone who's been a former Eskimo or not, we're going to try to uh, make our roster better at all times. So if that does happen, then we would certainly be reaching out to Brandon. All right, uh, Brock, this is fun. I'm, I'm going to run something by you here because <laughs> it's fun. I mean, I get to do this show, but, I mean, we people talk sports. You know what it's like. Mm-hmm. People always have an opinion. That's part of fun of being. No. Like you said, sometimes you you gotta. Uh, what's what's the old saying? If you start thinking like a fan, you'll soon be sitting with them. So that's <laughs> probably part of your philosophy. But I, the Canadian Football League, you you need a you need an excellent quarterback. I think in football you need an excellent quarterback. Mm-hmm. Highly important position. Mm-hmm. So I've always said if if I could ever if I ever had to like if I get to be the GM of the team in Halifax, <laughs> right. Pray for the people of Halifax first of all, but uh, but and you said okay, Reed, you can get. We're going to give you two excellent players, and then everybody else is going to be very good, average or below. You're going to have to scrap them, but we're going to give you two excellent players. Mm-hmm. I would say I want an excellent quarterback, and I want an excellent defensive end. And I know you know the O line is is really mm-hmm. important, but I just have always felt I've seen so many great D linemen in this league that can disrupt plays, and, and even more so than in the NFL. A sack in the CFL is results in a kick over. I think it's over ninety percent of the time. I think Cavis Reed had a stat a couple of years ago. It was like ninety three percent. If you get a sack, the other team does not get a touchdown. So there's my little armchair GMing for the night. You know, funny enough, I actually agree one thousand percent when I talk about building a roster and philosophically quarterback first. And I'll hit on what you said earlier that you need it in football. I laugh when people say, "Well, CFL is a quarterback driven league." Football is a quarterback-driven game. So right. if you're playing pickup football on the playground, nine out of ten times, the team with the best quarterback at that level <laughs> is going to win. So any level, peewee football, Pop Warner, high school, college, certainly CFL, NFL, you need a quarterback. If you can affect the quarterback, hey, we just witnessed that with Willie Jefferson, right? Perfect example. And Man, that's why, you know, right now we're leading the league in sacks last year we tied to lead the league in sacks defense linemen in my opinion are the second most important position group and position on a roster then in this league i go to canadian content right there um and also after that i would go tackle to protect your investment all right well uh i gotta just cut a couple more notes here i don't want to miss uh, anything the uh, the aaf I'm not even sure what that stood for. The American Alliance of Football? Alliance of American Football. Okay. Close. I reversed my ace. <laughs> By the way, Kellen, just to, we got our guests uh, downstairs. If someone can run oh, down okay. and I'll let him in. Don't on tell you that on air because we got more guests coming in. This is going to be great. Uh, it, it, I don't, it didn't even finish. Mm-hmm. Now that, but they're going to try another XFL. Was this a pain in the butt for, for the CFL, or did it turn out not to be? I mean, what actually happened with them having players and it's challenging we lost a lot of players on our neg list and also just what we call street free agents players that are unattached that are currently not with the roster or on another team's neg list we lost a lot of players to to that league and i've already had people that we've reached out to to try to sign here tell me that they're going to hold off and see what happens with the xfl so really it's extremely challenging, yeah. I mean, and the difference is they're getting paid in U.S. currency. We're getting paid in CFL. Okay. Some, it also goes to little things. I had some players tell me if I stay here and play for this AAF team, they did it geographically, so they tried to build rosters with players that played right. in the area. Well, other things that maybe aren't thought of is none of their family had passports to get up here to watch them play live, whereas down there they could make a two-hour oh. drive and see them play live. 
and their spouses or significant others could work. Whereas up here, it's a challenge. So there's layers to this where it's a big hurdle or oftentimes hurdles for us to compete with those other leagues. So it, it's a huge challenge. Okay. Well, you brought up some stuff I, I, I didn't really realize. But, but I mean, well, you would probably never say this to them. But I would probably just say, well, you might get paid in American dollars. But if the league folds, you get paid in zero dollars. Oh, I tell them. <laughs> I tell them. I tell them. Trust me. Absolutely. <laughs> That's, 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 that it's old school myself. recruiting. You, you have to tell them sell our league, which has been around longer been around. than the NFL. Yeah. You're right. going to get a point. consistent paycheck. So, you know, any amount of money is higher than no money. Uh, tr- big, tr- I mean, you've made other moves, but this, the Stafford for Christian mm-hmm. Jones trade, you know, that was more talked about because Kenny had his second stint here, pretty productive player. Uh, right. But you keep searching for a return game. I mean, you know the droughts at about five years now without a punt return touchdown. How do you feel Christian's been playing? I think Christian's been playing ball. He's been running hard. Christian needs some help. You know, we're going to address that, and I'm not going to shy away from it. It's hard to be an electric returner if you don't have a big lane uh, or any sort of crease. So we need to improve there. And I talked about that at the beginning of the show is six and four. We're far from perfect right now. We're an evolving team and that's an area that we need to get better. And and we're aware of that and we're working on that. But Christian himself has been outstanding. He's been, we talked about jumping out of your skin to play football. He was chomping at the bit to get out there and play. He was kind of a healthy scratch in Saskatchewan. So he's been everything that we thought he'd be. We need to give him some room to show what he can really do. And he's proven what he can do, not only in Saskatchewan, but Alabama for a national championship team. So uh, we're working on giving him some lanes so he can show what he can do. All right. And last question, since the the Labor Day game is next, uh, I mean, how how do you enjoy the Edmonton Calgary rivalry and, and specifically knowing that every every year those two games are on the schedule Monday Saturday back back to back love it if you're competitive and you love football the way I do and that we do this is what you're in this business for so uh, I know the fans get riled up and you know we're a lot of us are fans before we're in it right we care about it we're watching the sports you know TSN just like everyone else so uh, if you don't get excited and if it doesn't get your your blood pumping then you probably shouldn't be doing this anymore because this is what we do all the long off-season work hours for is is these games and it's a rivalry game so they all count for two points, but I'd be flat out lying to your face right now if I said it doesn't mean a little extra playing against Calgary. That's the reality. That's what it is. We want to go down and, and beat them as bad as they want to beat us, and that's the reality of it. Brock, I really appreciate you taking the time to to, to come in. It, it, it's great to have you in studio and for us to have this extended chat in person. Really appreciate it, and of course, all the best. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the rest of the year. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it as well. That's Brock Sunderland, GM of the Edmonton Eskimos. Hi, this is Armando Sewell of the MT Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Eskimos Stampeders on Monday. Now, the Stampeders have not named a starting quarterback, but it will likely be Bo Levi Mitchell, who was back running the first team offense at practice today. Uh, yeah, man, I just, you know, I went out and threw yesterday. Uh, we were going to treat day A as day A, um, you know, because there's still a 
six game decision to have to bring me off and everything. Um, so we didn't want to kind of what happened last time was to come out and practice for a day and then, you know, it'd be bothering me and then having to go back on because at this point you wouldn't be able to. So if they're going to pull me off. They wanted to know. So um, just showed up at six, threw about 55 balls and, you know, through corner routes, dig routes, go routes, just to make sure that there was no hesitation on, you know, the deep balls and letting it go. Um, and I think kind of once you get over that mental block, it's almost like uh, when you injure your knee or something, it takes that first time getting tackled to just kind of feel that confidence again. And um, I mean, first play, Skelly out there, just as soon as I felt good, just kind of started to let it rip. But, you know, I told Dave, I was like, hey, man, to me, it's now or never. Like, I want to get back out there. It's Labor Day. This is a uh, – I couldn't think of a better game to come back against, you know, the number one ranked defense, the number one ranked offense in the entire league. Um, and, you know, for such an important game. Uh, will tomorrow be the test? Uh, you know, you did a lot of throws, as you say, 55, most of the offensive work. Is tomorrow the big day to make sure you're healthy and no fatigue? Uh, I mean, I'm, to me, I'm done testing it. Uh, you know, I, I felt good yesterday. I felt good today. It's two days in a row of throwing, you know, 50, 60-plus balls. So, um, you know, to me, it's it's uh, go out there and prove to, to Dave and Huff that, uh, you know, the eyes, the feet, everything look good, feel good, the reads are there. Um, you know, still haven't played football in, you know, eight weeks. Um, and it's not the other guy's playing bad, you know. So um, it's just that I want to be the guy out there and I want to make sure that I'm I'm giving the team the best opportunity to win. So I've got to be on my P's and Q's in order to show them that. All right, a little bit there from Bo Levi Mitchell. And you're going to hear from one of the guys who will be protecting him or Nick Arbuckle on Monday. Justin Lawrence from the Stampeders offensive line is going to check in a little bit later on. U of A grad drafted by the Stampeders in 2018. So he has spent a year and a half with them. Great to have Brock Sunderland in studio from your Edmonton Eskimos. More special in-studio guests when we get back. It's a fan panel to wrap up our How We Watch series. We've been talking every Thursday for the last month uh, about how teams and leagues are trying to sell the game. Well, what do fans want to consume? We will have three Edmonton sports fans in studio. This is going to be fun. Inside Sports Fun Chat. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.